Welcome to Own Goal Podcast. The date of recording, August 19th, 2020. Uh, we have a little, we're about a week behind. That is my fault. I was enjoying a nice, lovely vacation in the mountains of Colorado. But I'm back, and there is a lot to talk about. To the byline. It's in, it's in goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no chance to the keeper. Hey, uh, as mentioned, we've got a lot to dig into. We're definitely going to uh, talk about the Champions League action that has gone on since we kind of, you know, last uh, broke a few weeks back. But we have a lot of other stuff, I think, to cover first, and then, and then we'll, we'll get to that. Um, I should have looked at the agenda before I volunteered to go first because this first bullet point is making me way too sad, so I can't bring it up myself. Well, with that, I guess I'll take it from here. Uh, in an incredible turn of events, a lot of which we will talk about um, later on in the show, just weeks after being named the uh, coach of the youth team, Andrea Pirlo has been named the manager of Juventus. Eric Gates, besides the pain you feel, taking yourself out of a Milan fan's eyes, like what are your objective thoughts on Pirlo being the manager of Juventus? Objective thoughts here are that he he has the mind for the game, right? I think he was never the most athletically brilliant player. You know, he's got he, he Pirlo in, in the midfield, the deep line playmaking midfielder, always had technical ability, but was never the you know he wasn't he wasn't around because he was a great athlete. It was beyond that. And a lot of that was his mind and the way he saw the game and, and could use that to unlock opponents. So I think tactically, there's a good chance that he's he's got what it takes. Uh, the big thing is he's incredibly unproven. Incredibly unproven. So this, I think, is a swing for the fences. And it could be gold. Uh, but I've also seen, you know, uh, in the Italian game of the last half decade, club legends come back to coach and uh get chased out after half a season of lackluster results now i'm i'm referring to my my experience as a milan fan watching you know uh inzaghi clarence sedorf gattuso get run out of town uh those milan teams were in uh dire situations and were heaping piles of of shit some some cases and Juventus's team is not that. So, you know, I think Pirlo is in a he's set up in a position to succeed, but I have I have no clue cuz I haven't nobody's seen him manage before. So, I think this all starts back when Barcelona named one of their former good players in Pep Guardiola as a manager and they get extremely successful extremely quickly. A few years later, Real Madrid, because Real Madrid and Barcelona, if one of them does something that works, the other one will always copy it, and then the rest of the soccer world will follow suit. Does the same thing with Zinedine Zidane. Again, incredibly successful. 
So now what do you have in the Premier You have Frank Lampard back at Chelsea. You have Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. And I think this is kind of what's the – this is the hot trend in soccer right now. Yeah, and, and, and I think that makes sense. And, you know, that's that's maybe it was my sadness that blinded me from noticing that pattern. I think that's a, a good observation. Um, but all those people you named had at, on, at some level put in, you know, a few years managerial rise, yes. right? Zidane was was managing. Uh, Pirlo hadn't the, even managed the, the uh, Real Madrid reserves. The, the reserves, the youth team, which actually some of the players that he then brought up through the ranks had worked with him and, he, and had built a chemistry with them, right? So, you know, and, and, and you know, Ole was managing, uh, I believe, a Norwegian club, right, before coming to United. So, not nearly up to the the challenge of the Premier League, you know, from his just based off of his previous experience. But I get your point. But it, was, it was something. Experience. It was something. Yeah. So it's it's just, and I don't. I'm not saying that because Pirlo has not, you know, cut his teeth as a manager, he can't do it. or He's going to be bad at it. I just have no clue to know if this is a good or bad decision. I don't think we will know until we know what we don't know. I have a prediction, and I'll get into it about more a little bit later. But it's just this is based on nothing but gut feeling. Nothing. Juventus won't win the um, Serie A next year. Juventus will win the Champions League next year. I don't like that because then that most likely means that Inter win the Serie A next year, which that's Atlanta. Atlanta could do it. No, I know, I know. Unless they get absolutely pillaged, which they probably will. Um, well, they should. Perhaps on some on a lighter note, um, two local amateur <laughs> soccer teams in Germany played a game on Sunday, completely naked except for socks, sh- um, cleats, and um, obviously shin guards. The point apparently was to prove, to promote. I'm sorry, authenticity and denounce the commercialization of soccer. So I guess you know, getting away from the frill of the uniforms. By the way, a bunch of uniforms have come out recently that are really really bad in the pro game so i some of these uniforms are so bad i would rather the players not play with clothes but um that was kind of the point playing the nude (laughs) is to denounce the commercialization and so this kind of sparked up a question in my mind and i have to pose it to you which sport would you be most okay with or least come uncomfortable with playing in the nude and which sport would you under no circumstances ever play in the nude and when i say nude i'm saying like if if that sport requires certain gear as part of the sport, you could wear that, but like your genitalia will a hundred percent be exposed. Like if you're playing football, you get to now, wear a helmet, but your genitals will be exposed. So So your question is about playing in the nude, not spectating a nude sport. <laughs> right, playing in the nude. And I, I have an answer okay. on both so, ends for you. So team sports only or do individual sports work? Anything works. I will play. I will. I will swim in the nude. Oh, that's a good one. Eliminate drag, baby. <laughs> and what would you absolutely, under no circumstances, do in the nude? Well, I'm definitely not wrestling in the <laughs> nude. That's for sure. <laughs> be in the nude. Ooh, ah, no rugby in the nude. That, that may be my. 
absolutely worse than football, I think, would be rugby in the nude. So I think the absolute worst sport in the nude would be hockey. And here's why. Number one, it's oh, cold. No. It's Skate. cold. The cold, Skate so there's shrinkage. Two, yeah, so shrinkage is my number one worry. Number two would be you get on the ground in hockey, you know, big hit. You're on down on the ground. A blade? People have literal blades in the sport? No. No chance. No circumstance hockey. The sport I would most be okay with playing in the nude is tennis because, for the most part, my opponent is far enough away from me that they can't mock me for any reason. Well, so, so I, I, I'm swimming because I just feel like it would feel the most comfortable, you know? Yeah. The, the water rushing across the genitalia. Uh, wow, this is going somewhere. Um, but I, I was also thinking along your tennis lines, golf. Okay. But my concern with tennis and golf is you're exposing yourself to a lot of sun for a long time. Burn. Well, I think more so in golf maybe than in tennis because I mean, I can get beaten pretty quickly. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, now I'm going to turn your question around on you. Same premise, but spectator. Which sport would I rather? Would I want to watch most in the nude? I want to watch. The uh, you're. You're not you're not naked as a spectator. The, you're you're watching the players play an all nude version of of what sport would you find? Would you? And this isn't about like oh I want you know I'm not saying like just like I don't you're know. You're saying I don't, don't need take, to pick don't I don't creepy. need to pick women's volleyball. So you don't see like I don't need to pick women's volleyball off the back is what you're saying. Don't 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 make it creepy with your answer. Right? I get what you're saying. <laughs> I, get, I get what you're saying. Um. I think because we do a soccer podcast where we have a segment called Hot Guy of the Week, I'd want to do soccer in the nude because I want to see who's packing. And I want to see if our – like, I just – I'm curious. Like, not even – not just in a pure asexual, curious way. For, for posterity. For posterity, for the sake of what we do here, to preserve the essence of this podcast, I have to say I would most want to watch soccer in the nude. I would least want to watch football in the nude. <laughs> Oh, so I think I think I want to keep. I, I like the mystery of not knowing with you know these hot guys in soccer. So I, I'd like to keep that shroud in mystery a little bit, um, leaving room for interpretation and and uh, us you know making assumptions. So I'm taking soccer off of my list. So you'd want to least do soccer then, or you're just not considering it at all. I'm not considering it. I, I guess my answer would be least do soccer because I I enjoy the the atmosphere of the unknown. It, I think maybe the the goofiest one would be baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's his butts. I, I think I think baseball is my choice. <laughs> Plus, it really wouldn't affect you much because how much baseball do you watch in a given year? <laughs> okay. Um, well, that was a little fun. Let's now. I guess let's going back to uh, more soccer related talk and less nude related talk. Interesting. The uh, clubs in League One and League Two in England, which is their third and fourth tiers respectively, have voted. In I know the numbers are confusing of introducing a salary cap of 2.5 million pounds in League 1 and 1.5 million pounds in League 2. 
And I actually thought this was actually pretty significant because the entire basis of the soccer, like soccer, European soccer and the European economy is the inverse of American sports and the American economy. American economy, much more capitalistic. American sports, socialist. The worst, the people at the bottom get the best draft picks, all that good stuff. Everything's equaled out. European economy, much more socialist. European sports, the rich get richer and better. And if you're poor, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Just another, that's also an interesting I, trend to me, how those are inverses, by the way. And I think, I think this, you know, part of the reason that this, this kind of came up originally were, you know, clubs like Bolton and, and a few other clubs get getting into financial disarray and, and potentially having to completely dissolve and uh, no longer exist financially and, ha- and as an entity. And I think this is a, a way of preventing, you know, similar how financial fair play is a veiled attempt at preventing teams from overextending themselves, which is just bullshit. Uh, I think this is an actual attempt at preventing League One and League Two teams from uh, overextending themselves in a, a bid or a uh, kind of a gamble to get promotion and then be able to build off of that. And when they fail to get promoted, uh, they're left uh, with books that they can't quite pay out. So I, I think th- I think that that's like the the goal behind this. That, that's my take at least. Yeah. Um, I don't hate it for the lower tier leagues, actually, because that I think that prevents someone from being able to come buy a, like a billionaire, buy a League Two team on the cheap, and then like give them a meteoric, like a crazy rise. And um, I don't think I would love to see this in the big leagues, but I do like in like the top tier leagues, like when they force a certain amount of homegrown players. Those types of things, I think, are what you do to make that a little bit fairer. I, 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 my one concern is I think the, the clubs this helps the most are actually championship clubs because, you know, you, it, it's a gamble. It's a gambit to, to, you know, squad up and, and, and revamp your squad in league one to make a push to, to get promoted. But when you do get promoted, you, but least all already have some of your building blocks right to to then go and compete in the championship uh in you know in this case what you're gonna you're gonna be having to, to add more your first year in the championship and still fight off relegation and then you're gonna have to meddle around in the championship for for more time before you can compete for promotion right so That's i think point. it helps the team it helps the teams that are at the top of the championship stay at the top and fight for promotion and it helps the teams that are that are in the middle stay out of the relegation zone and then it helps the teams that are in the relegation zone have a one or two year head start on the newbies that come up that's actually a really good point so i'll be I'll, and, and, and i mean who knows if, if that's if that's a if that's how it's going to play out right i could be completely wrong uh but i think it'd be really interesting if this holds for a couple of years to see over the net in the next four years how many league or championship relegated teams uh were you know first year promoted yeah i i mean i think that's a good point it's definitely something to keep track of um i guess we'll do a quick um round of transfer updates before we get into our segments so i guess we'll i'll just start with manchester united to get it out of the way, um, as I predicted, maybe I did, maybe I said we would get him. I don't really know what I said in the past. 
I'm going to assume that I said, I don't know what I said. But Jaden Sancho, Manchester United is going to fight. I can tell you some things that you said. I don't want to know. You've said, Maybe, I, I you've said at I one point, you said at one point that all all signs are pointing to this thing being wrapped up by like August 10th, I think was uh, was one thing you said. It is August 19th if you're checking your, your calendar right now. Uh, but you also said, um, based off of how they handled the Bruno transfer, uh, that United will do almost everything wrong. And so I think you could argue that the Jaden Sancho transfer saga is wrapped up uh, <laughs> because maybe he's not going anywhere and United have, you know, kind of fucked up at almost every turn. Yeah, uh, you said that very well. Um, Dortmund sporting director said a few days ago that uh, Jaden Sancho is for sure saying, to be fair, he said the same thing about Usman Dembele in 2017 and then like 50 days later, Usman Dembele was sold. Yeah. Um. A report came out today, and I have to hope this isn't true, that United can't come to personal terms or agree on an agent fee for Jane Sancho. Like, what are you doing? Like, a very talented player is leaving a, a team that is always going to qualify for the Champions League in the next five years, and that is going to be a title challenger until March every year to come to our shitty club and we're going to fuck this up. We, we, we finally got Alexi Sanchez off the books, by the way, who are paying an absorbent amount of money, <laughs> and now we want to fucking argue about paying players? Are you fucking kidding well, me? Well, it's, it's also, it's also you guys have made it so clear that you want him so bad. So, yeah, he should fleece United for wages. Yeah, it's like if you're hitting up a girl's DMs on Instagram, like constantly just all over her, just like, just gnawing on those thirst traps, just drooling like a dirty, dirty dog, she's going to make you really jump through hoops to get it. And she should, because you overplayed your hand. As Ma- Manchester United, in, like, Dortmund and Jaden Sancho are the hot girl on Instagram, and Manchester United is just the horny, horny bastard. Who like every single one of the thirst traps. Like, every single and, one's got a like on it. And now he's going back. And, and comment. Like and comment. And like now and he's comment. going back like well into the past, like to the point where it's like, why are you staring at pictures from 2016? We're in 2020, dude. Get a fucking life. Um, and I guess more interesting news, Dean Henderson publicly said his goodbyes to Sheffield United and thanked them, their coaching staff, for everything over the last two years. He has been added as one of the Manchester United goalkeepers, and Bournemouth have signed. Or I'm sorry, uh, Sheffield United have signed Bournemouth keeper Aaron Ramsdale. So earlier, I said how I wanted the De Gea situation handled would be for Henderson to come, who looks better in training camp, let them fight it out, and if it's not De Gea by January, if, if, if De Gea wins if he, and he gets back to form, cool. We'll stay like this for a little bit. Henderson can be a backup for two or three years and then be the starter. If not, if Henderson wins out the battle, then we send De Gea wherever he wants to go. He has been by far and away the best Manchester United player post Sir Alex Ferguson. He deserves that. And so it looks like they're kind of heading in that direction. But again, I have no faith in this club to handle anything. Hey, can I add some some additional uh, fact points that I was seeing earlier this evening? It's it's technically under um, the agenda for the Jack Grealish uh, addendum that I added. But um, so there are some rumors about United trying to make a, uh, a Jack Grealish uh, move work. And part of, uh, of what they're trying to do, Villa are looking for a new keeper. Mm. 
United need to get Sergio Romero off their books. So there's there's rumors that United are trying to send Cash plus Romero over to Villa for Grealish, and then I yes, I, same thing. Bring De Gea and Henderson as the one and the two for the goalie position. Fight it out. I also seen that uh, United are offering Henderson a new contract, and it's going to be one of the more expensive goalkeeper contracts in the league. So oh, you guys good. So we'll have, have two like, of the most two... expensive goalkeeping yeah, contracts. In the yeah, you have two of the most expensive goalie contracts. Which... And you know what I love about yeah. goalkeepers, Eric, is that they're the one position where you can't play two of them on the field at the same time. Any other position, you can play two. You play two fullbacks, hey man, two centerbacks. Hansi Hansi Flick has found a way to play like five thousand fullbacks. Maybe maybe Ole has a way of playing multiple goalies. I just want to say, remember, remember that I said the remember fullback Mourinho, system, remember? the fullback system. That is the ultimate team, and he just did that and beat. We're gonna get to that, but I'm just saying, Hansi Flick, he knows what the fuck is up. Uh, but but I think, I mean, obviously, Sancho is is the one that everybody's focusing on. And if if, if Dortmund are true in saying that people are not gonna be able to to purchase them because they are now working with him for their plans for this next season, then I would really. I want to see Grealish play with a team that can play with him and not just like play behind him. So I think that that could be really exciting if, if they can make that make that work. One thing I'll say about Dortmund is that if Bayern Munich was trying to buy Jaden Sancho, they would accept three pieces of bacon and a used sock. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say about. That's all I'm gonna say about Borussia Dortmund at this time. No, that's not fair. That's not fair because no Bayern would have um, already. Uh, where, uh, where United are apparently struggling, Bayern would have already made agreements with Sancho on personal terms, and they just would have they just would have been like, oh, by the way, uh, Dortmund, we've taken your girl out to dinner like ten times, and uh, she's dumping you and coming to us for free afterwards. And then Bayern will send them Snapchats of the girl just <laughs> slobbing on Bayern's knob to Dortmund to really just make it hurt. God, I, I hate us. <laughs> but this has been great. Um, going to the other Manchester team, City, who definitely aren't instead of any financial fair play violations. Wow. I was doing so well on this one after so many just word fumbles. And then right there, financial fair play really just right in my butthole. You got them all in, all in, one, you got them all in one sentence, though. So maybe you're done. Yeah. Violations. Um, they have signed Valencia forward Fernand Torres for 23 million euros. And... Just looking back on it, man, Valencia have pumped out some really good talent over the years. You got David Villa, David Silva, Juan Mata, Jordi Alba, Nicolas Hodemendi, Raul Albiol. Just, they just put out a lot of talent. Um, you want to take this next one? I mean, we don't really have much MLS news uh, around these parts, but a uh, pretty big signing for uh, new club Inter Miami. Blaze Matuidi uh, joining, I guess you know now end of end of the season, um, for over from Juventus, which I think is a, a pretty good get for Inter. I mean, Matuidi's not as young as he was, and, and I knew his speed was was definitely always a part of his game, but he's still got enough in the enough gas in the tank, I think, for the the level of play that MLS provides. I agree, and um, you know, getting a World Cup winner 
with his experience. Um, I, yeah, it's a good get. I'll, I want to give you this next one too. It's gonna make it's gonna make you happy. Happy, I'm so happy. Uh, our boy Joe Hart, and I say our boy. He was never my boy when he was in his prime, but when he just really fell from grace so quickly and like nobody would let him play. Uh, Joe Hart has signed uh, a deal with Tottenham Hotspur and uh, you know, leave it, leave it to uh, not just Jose Mourinho, but Tottenham classic that they're big, uh, you know, their only transfer news so far is they've signed a backup goalie. (laughs) I feel like honestly though, okay, that's pretty funny. Every year they don't, Harry Kane stays at the club through a transfer window is kind of a win for them, too. <laughs> um, that, that is very fair. Well, you know, Eric, I think in this podcast, you know, we don't watch you when you're at your peak. We watch you when you're just in the depths of disgrace. And I think we have an affinity for bastards, dwarves, and broken things. Okay. And every club, every club I support. Yeah. Uh, that's a that, that that's a that, that's a, a quick uh, foreshadowing of one of our Oni uh, categories next week. Gatesy, do you want to tell us what's going on with Weston McKinney's future? There's a lot. Talk going about on somebody with you've, been, you've been slobbering <laughs> over for their thirst traps for years. By the way, you and Weston McKinney. No shame. No shame. Kid, so much. No shame. I yes, I have been. Um, Likes, 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 likes all over the place. So, um, Weston over at Schalke, you know, getting a lot of mixed information here. Uh, a lot, lot of things coming in, then immediately going out. Yeah, a lot of information. Uh, sorry for the weird cut in the audio there. Uh, my dog pissed on, on my bed, so I had to, to deal with that. And really, really blew my train of thought. Um, so that's fun. Uh, yeah, Dalton Puppies is awesome. Um, so word on the street was Hertha were really, Hertha Berlin were really, really interested in bringing Weston on, uh, and, and Schalke are in still, I guess, some pretty dire financial situations, uh, and for paraphrasing the like long-term financial viability of the club, they need to sell one or some promising, uh, talented players, in order to, to you know fund their their organization moving forward, and it seems like they have identified Weston as somebody who can uh, get the the finances that they need without them having to sell, I guess, multiple parts of, of their squad, right? Uh, so Hertha were really interested in Weston. Uh, turns out Weston really favors a move to the Premier League, and I'm not sure if, if it was his desire for the Premier League that uh, broke the talks down, or if it was Schalke wanting more than Hertha were willing to pay, uh, but it seems like that deal has fallen through. But uh, Southampton seemed to be in pole position. Uh, they're, I guess, having ongoing talks with Schalke it, from rumors and, and you know different articles and stuff i've seen uh southampton have offered somewhere around 20 million pounds Schalke looking closer to like 25 26 million so it sounds like conversations and negotiations are, are ongoing uh but we do have a couple other premier league clubs kind of hanging out uh in, in the background maybe to to try to 
last minute snipe a deal or jump in if, if talks fall through. And those two clubs that I've heard most recently mentioned are Everton and Fulham. Speaking of Fulham, it looks like barring a, I think a medical is either being undergone or has already been completed perhaps, but Anthony Robinson might find himself in the Premier League next season at Fulham. Um, it seems very likely at this point. But then again, we thought the same was true with his move to Milan. So I'm not going to hold my yeah. breath just yet till it's official. So I think this may be a lengthier uh, process than normal uh, because of that heart problem he had that derailed his move to Milan. Uh, so I think they may be taking some extra precaution and doing some additional checks. Uh, also, it was reported you know, a few weeks back that Sheffield were looking at him for 1.5 mil, and now it sounds like we're seeing, seeing Fulham at 1.9 mil. So, um, you know, looks like more than just Fulham, a couple of clubs have seen the, the value and the promise of of Anthony and, and are looking to, to bring him on. I, you and I were talking about this offline, uh, but just, uh, you know, curious as to what your thoughts are on the, uh, the price tag and what that probably means for where they're valuing his and where they, ex- what they expect to get from him in the near future. Um, well, his price tag, a couple of ways to look at this. One is, you know, Wigan has never been a club that's been known for its great financial you know, accounting and bookkeeping. So, you know, Wigan may just need to be desperate in cash. Um, and, you know, $2 million, $2 million pounds, whatever you want, whatever it is, goes a lot further in the championship than it does in the Premier League. Oh, definitely. Um, what I think it, this kind of this move symbolizes is Fulham may be looking at him to play him in cup competitions, kind of as the coming in as the second choice fullback. But I think there's a huge opportunity for him to play his way. Just like I think every player, you always have a chance to play your way as the starter. And I think getting a chance of training in the Premier League, getting some Premier League action, I think that could be huge for him. So I I, I really hope he can make – I think he has a better chance of playing at Fulham, a recently promoted side, than he would at Sheffield. And so for that reason, and given Fulham's connection with other American internationals – Well, America – I would love, love to see Anthony Robinson at Fulham. No, I, I agree. I think that would be, be awesome. I think the other thing about Sheffield is their strength this season was their defense. So, you know, I, I think – They're not trying to blow that up. Yeah, exactly. Let's have him go to Fulham. I, I, I like that play. Uh, and, and, yeah, you talked about cup competitions, right? There's the FA Cup. There's the fucking Carabao Cup, whatever the hell that that is. And then there's a full season of, of play – where Fulham are probably going to be, you know, chasing a lot of games, and you've, you've one of the common uh, subs I feel like that's used when when trying to inject some some ability or, or some energy is uh, some speed on the wings, whether it's wings or fullbacks, right? So I think there's even if games he doesn't start, there's good chances that he can get in, and then he can produce, perform, and and. Earn a, t- earn a starting spot but i also think you know looking at that 1.5 to 2 mil price tag if he's not getting regular starting minutes i don't think people need to be discouraged right he's a young player uh i think this is as much an investment down the road as it is them trying to bolster their squ- squad immediately yeah um 
not-so-good, possibly good news regarding another American fullback and really bad news for one Eric Gates. But word on the street is that Juventus have made an offer for Sergino Dest. So he, you know, Bayern's wanted him and Barcelona's wanted him. Now Juventus, he is a player very much in demand, and I don't think he stays at Ajax at the end of this transfer window. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, apparently, from what I've heard, uh, Pirlo uh, is, really likes what he offers and what he, what he can bring. So I'm guessing Pirlo sees his his you know speed and offensive minded skill set as fitting into what he wants to do at Juventus, which sucks for me. But that's awesome. That that is awesome that you know a man a new manager who's go, is you know. What are the, one of the things that people look at when judging a, a manager in his first season? Oh, how how important, how how successful were the additions that he made to the squad? Right. Yeah. So obviously, we're, there's a lot to go, and he could end up going many places. Uh, but if if it's true, it'll suck for you know my second least favorite team in, in Italy to to get this player that I'm really excited about as a U.S. national. But for him, I think that'd be really cool. Um, yeah. Probably, he's got to be less interested in Barcelona now, right? <laughs> yeah, and we're definitely going to get to Barcelona very soon. Um, David Silva, former Manchester, Manchester City great, who ended his time there. Um, he was supposed to go to Lazio, and at the last second, Real Social Dad, a.k.a. Real Sociedad, swooped in and got him, which prompted Lazio's sporting director to say, and I mean, this... Oof, it, it, it would hurt to hear this said about me. I respect the player, but not the man. <laughs> that is, that yeah, is brutal. I, from what I've, I, I understood is they were basically, they had come to agreement on, on personal terms, and then he dragged his feet uh, on actually signing the deal. And and then last minute bait and switch them. I I also saw that his wife was really pressuring him for them to move to uh, back home to Spain. Move to Spain. Yeah. Happy hey, happy wife, happy life. And now that he's past the prime of his playing career, you know he's like, yeah, we moved we moved to uh, Manchester for me. Now we're gonna go somewhere for you. Although like I get I get she wanted to go back to Spain, but. Is going to Rome really such a bad <laughs> alternative? No, definitely not. Especially when you're coming from Manchester. I've been to Manchester. I love Manchester United, but I've also been to the city of Manchester. <laughs> not great. Um, and you want to wrap up our uh, transfer segment here with some news about your boy, Thiago Silva. Champions League finalist, Thiago Silva, a little teaser for later. Champions League finalist, finalist finally, in his final season uh, at... PSG, they've announced that they are not renewing his contract. So, you know, I think he's putting some feelers out uh, to, to see where he can end up for next season. Um, and it's a little weird because the short turnaround between the end of Champions League and the start of next season, I think he's probably got his agent making those feelers now uh, so that they can get a move on. Um, I've heard two different rumors. One is some inquiries into Milan's interest and bringing Thiago back. And I would absolutely love to see that. You know, I think him being on a free transfer 
uh, opens up some space for us to pay his high wages. Uh, but I think we'd probably need him to cut down on his wages a little bit if, if he's interested in coming back to the club. So that, that I think could be possible if it's a, is this what you want the most and what we want, we can make it work. Uh, but I've also heard, and I think this would be a really good fit for the team. Chelsea might be interested in, in Thiago Silva and they could easily pay his wages, especially with him not being no money associated to the actual transfer. Uh, and he's, I think, looking at him playing uh, yesterday, still got the skill set to play at, at a high, at, at a top top level, uh, and his experience is second to none. I agree. I think there are not many clubs that wouldn't see his addition as a bolster to not just the starting 11, but every club, his experience and the leadership in the locker room would be a huge boost as well. Which is why I want him back at Milan. Him, uh, just giving additional leadership and wisdom to Romagnoli and, and Donnarumma as they are the, the you know, the spine of Milan. What about Theo Hernandez? Teo is a spark plug. You know, he's somebody that... I just that, feel like you're now discriminating against him for being French. No, 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 no. He, he's somebody that, that provides an incredible offensive spark. He, he, he is lightning in a bottle. But I don't think of him as the spine of the team, as somebody who bolsters down the defense. He's he's a fullback, Donnie. He's way more of an offensive player. As any good fullback should be. Um, all right, and I think with that, good to jump into segments. As always, hot guy of the week. Exciting segment. And for me, this was an absolute no-brainer. Three goals and an assist in his last two games. Gets his team into the Champions League final. Looks like a 1970s porn star with that mustache, and I mean that in the best way. My Hawkeye of the Week is Serge Gnabry, who has been outstanding for Bayern Munich. And this is a guy who five years ago, five years ago, got subbed off while playing for West Brom in a cup match against fucking Port Vale, who Arsenal thought needed to get him out of their way so they could clear up some playing time for Iwobi. Yeah, And this just shows you that just because you don't hit your... And you see... I'm going to get into a little mini rant in this real quick. Just because you're not at a peak level at 22, 23, 21, 20, doesn't mean you're not going to get there. Kevin De Bruyne got sold by Chelsea. Romelu Lukaku got sold by Chelsea. You can find a lot of great players... Mo Salah and De Bruyne were playing together at Chelsea when they got sold. Yeah. A lot of great players, like, not everyone is going to be, like, messy when they're 19, 20 years old. They're these talents. Like, not everyone is going to be incredible at that early age. You can give players time, and this is a great example of that. A guy I'm really happy for, a really handsome guy, but right now looks like a 70s porn star in the best possible way. In a great way, yeah. In, in, a, in a very positive pro way. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah. Sergeant Abbey. Also, Serge is a Badass fucking name. Baller name. Like, I mean... Okay. My hot guy of the week comes from the same team, which, when we talk about their dismantling of Barcelona, I think makes sense, uh, because there were a lot of performances to uh, <laughs> to warrant positivity. Less of a stats... Imp- you know, I'm not, not hitting stats with this guy, although he did end up on the stat sheet. Uh, everybody did against, against Bayern, or against Barcelona. 
Uh, but it was his assist, fullback to fullback assist to his uh, fullback teammate Kimmich, uh, where he just wrecked Barcelona. I'm in. I think he's uh, making people think twice about who the best fullback in the in the league is right or in the world it could be right now. Uh, he's really young. He's Canadian. He's ass as fuck. I am going with Alfonso Davies as my hot guy of the week. And you know what? You have a glowing endorsement for one Marcelo who tweeted at Alfonso Davies. Like, Marcelo, I think, is the most beloved beloved left back of the last 10 years. Like, in terms of just beloved. Who tweeted, watching you brings me joy. And if you're a left back and Marcelo tells you that, I mean, does, there's also, no higher that, honor. Isn't that, like, the most Marcelo way to give a compliment? Yeah. It's just like, it's just like you bring joy. Dude, Marcelo brings me joy. I was I was on Instagram today, saw a picture of Marcelo and his family on vacation. He looked so happy. Made me happy. Marcelo <laughs> but, but yeah, literally gives other I, people I think, happiness. Yeah. I, and, and I think that that is actually, if you go back to like looking at social media um, after that highlight reel assist that he had to Kimmich, everybody was just talking about, wow, what an incredible play. Watching him play is exciting. It is fun. It doesn't. You know, I, I don't think about what team am I pulling for in this moment, you know, because sometimes he's had some amazing plays against Dortmund, against RB Leipzig, against teams that I'm actually more invested in uh, results-wise. But the sheer moment of watching Davies play is like, that is incredible. I want to watch more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great selection. It's no surprise that both selections came from Bayern Munich at all. So, um, and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see how the final goes down. And actually I have a great story at the end about this Champions League final. It involves a lot of different parties, but we'll get there eventually. Uh, Eric, (laughs) next segment, aptitude test for any new listeners or listeners who have never really heard us explain what this is. This is our whole spiel of if so-and-so wasn't a professional soccer player or soccer coach or involved in soccer, you know, what would they be doing in an alter- in an alternate universe where they're not involved in soccer? If he were not currently – not, I mean, spent all his life in, in soccer, especially as a professional, uh, transitioned from player to manager, uh, if he were not involved in soccer, what would Mikel Arteta do with his life? Mikel Arteta – would be the face of a Hugo Boss campaign. Okay. Because that guy is just so is very handsome, first of all. Very handsome. And I just see him in like those Hugo but like a black shirt just you know in in some cologne commercial with some absolute like perfect 10 model like just like kissing up on his neck and you just look at the watch the commercial and then me who looks like a human potato is like, Oh, I too can be attracted by, by that cologne. And that's how marketing works. Folks. That that's actually, I think incredibly accurate. Thank you. Uh, my, my, my angle for this is also working off of his looks, which are good. Um, <laughs> I think, I think he'd be an, an actor. I think he'd be the main character in some like, HBO esque noir, noir, noir uh, private investigator type uh, character. Oh, I like that. I like you know, that. a little sullen, uh, clever, 
not too outspoken, uh, but sees things differently and is the lead on a TV show. So he's attractive and uh, all of his like co-stars and his romantic interests are attractive too. Hey, I have a question actually. Um, I think that, I think that's a great answer, by the way. Um, I have two things to say, actually two thoughts that have popped into my head. My first thought is, FIFA should consult with us on an attractiveness rating for every player in this game. <laughs> I, I actually think it should. And, and you know what? I think there's a, a rate of diminishing returns where if they're too attractive, it blows. It can it can clash with the chemistry of their teammates because it can lead to the John Terry effect where they sleep with their teammates wives. <laughs> and that should be the second stat then is like the uh, likelihood to cuck a teammate stat. Well, I think they should also – so, yes, there's another stat in here that I think uh, – I'm sure this is people think taking it too far, but actually, if you think about it, it's not like it's like chemistry rating, but it's what's your locker room stat? True, true. Like, are you a good locker – some guys are not good locker room guys. Ask Landon Donovan, for example. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking he gets like a 30. Like, he gets like, you know – and Kyle Beckerman has to be a 99 on the locker That has, to, has be, to be. has to be. Which I don't understand, and I hate it so much. Okay. Eric Gates. If he hadn't and isn't a professional soccer player, what would Juan Mata be doing? Oh, little Juan Mata. Little baby Juan. Well, cheating here, uh, because... He, I know he does this already. He, he's a, he'd be a restaurant owner. I know, he's, I know, he's opened up a restaurant. I think in Manchester, um, I believe, I think so. and it, I think it's, it's supposed to be really, really good. So, like, the actual realistic thing, I think he's got a passion for food, and I think with his, you know, uh, him being from Spain, he's probably got some delicious, uh, delicious, delicious foods, some tapas, uh, some paella. So that. That's kind of cheating, but it's also that that's my answer. And mine is very similar. Slightly different, but very, very similar. Do you happen to be by chance, per chance as they say, familiar with the below deck franchise of reality TV shows? No. Okay, like at all. Zero familiarity. No familiarity. Okay. The premise of the various below deck franchises, and there are three, is that it follows the it follows the a group of um, individuals who work on high-end yachts that people yeah. charter for like three days for their vacations. Yeah. Every said I am I particularly am forced to watch slash maybe slightly on a guilty way enjoy watching the Below Deck Mediterranean spinoff. Ah. And every every yacht. Do you have him as as a as a as a uh, like like yachts like like a yacht chef in, in yes, the Mediterranean? So every yacht has the chef and Juan Mata I just see it so perfectly is the chef in the yacht working in a tiny little kitchen because he's a tiny little man he fits so well exactly and so that's oh, what I wow. see him as and with that yeah. I think you know we've had some fun but I'm really I'm sorry I think the, the, the Champions League these last three weeks have been incredible 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 and let's just jump back into it um we'll start with where we left off last time we're at the round of 16 and psg leipzig atletico and atlanta atlanta 
We're already in the quarterfinals. So now we're going to finish off the other, the, the second yeah. rounds of those round of 16 games. So Bayern had a, uh, I think, a, a 3-0 aggregate lead on Chelsea. And, and uh, no surprise, I think they uh, they finished Chelsea off like 4-1. So 7-1 aggregate uh, wasn't much of a surprise. I didn't have any thoughts really beyond that. That's exactly, I think, what we expected. Um, and I think this next game is kind of what I expected too. After having a 1-1 first leg draw, Messi got behind Barcelona and got them the 3-1 win over Napoli to advance 4-1 aggregate. I think we kind of expected that to happen. Barcelona fans, stop listening now. You're not going to like what comes in a few minutes. I would also say the same for Real Madrid fans, Juventus fans, and Manchester City fans. Well, Manchester City fans can listen for like one more minute. Yeah, so we had uh, City-Real. City had that one goal lead uh, going into the the tie. And uh, City did, did... did their business i mean they i don't know they, if they city took did their one. business or rafael Varen handed them their business on a silver platter <laughs> gift wrap which he to his credit literally said like this loss is 100 percent on me somebody who we we've been pretty high high you know highly regarded on uh in in, in past like during the world cup and during some of the previous uh, Real Champions League runs. He just had the worst game of his career. It was unfortunate. He just had the worst game of his career. I, I don't know how else to say that. And when your center back has the worst game of his career, that is not good. That's bad. But it's, I want to say that even in this great defeat, Kareem Benzema still persevered and showed why he would have been a worthy Ballon d'Or top three finisher this season with a goal. That would have yes. given Real some hope. Until Varane really just shat all over that hope. Yeah. I mean, without without hope, there cannot be true despair. So I think that was that was a, a required part of the recipe. Um, I, I think it's it's got to be hard for Varane, right? In the sense that, like, he's won, what, three Champions Leagues already? And a World Cup? And what is he, like, 26? I'm, I'm ballparking. I'm ballparking his age, but, like... He's no younger than 25 and no older than 27, so 26 sounds great to me. And, and so, I, I mean, it, it, it's got to be hard. It, it's got to be hard to just, like, always, you know, uh, and to, to go off of uh, Avon Barksdale from The Wire. How, could you, how can you never be slow, right? How could you never never be slow on the corner? Just, he had, he had a bad game. And I think what also hurt Real overall is not having uh, Sergio Ramos's presence, leadership um, out there. But interestingly enough, this is the first time in Zidane's managerial career that he has played in the he has coached a team in the Champions League that has not then won the Champions League. So he is he has now went from batting a perfect three for three one hundred to now batting a measly seventy five percent. Yeah, uh, he should probably he should probably retire. I'm guessing. Um, okay. And then the, so Byron went through, Barca went through to the quarters, City went through, and then it was down to who would go through between Juventus and Lyon. Lyon having a 1-0, um, I guess, lead in the home, quote-unquote home fixture. One player for Juventus did his job. 
and that was Cristiano Ronaldo, who had a double, including an absolute piss missile off of the post. But ironically enough, and I'll let you take this part. This to me, this was to me a very ironic way for Juventus to kind of lose, based on how their Serie A season went. Well, I mean, so Juve all season long, all season long, especially since the restart, uh, relied heavily on goals from penalty kicks, and not just undeniable penalty calls. But a lot of questionable ones. A lot of questionable calls, like ball hits hits arm that is like a flat against somebody's side of their body and in, in, in the most natural position it could possibly be. And oh yeah, that's 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 a handball and no VAR review, not at all. Um, things of that nature. They got a lot of those. A lot of those. They got two of those to draw Atalanta 2-2 after the restart. Ended up being a pretty big result, actually. Yeah. So, Donnie, why, why is this interesting? Why is this fit? It's interesting because early in the game against Lyon in this uh, Champions League round of 16 second leg, Lyon were awarded a very question, just as questionable as some very questionable penalties that Juventus was rewarded, or even Manchester United. Full. Let's be fair here, but they got awarded a champions, a very questionable penalty. Memphis Depay, of course he scores it. Ronaldo's two goals aren't enough because of away goals, which is, no matter who's on the bad end of it, away goals is the stupidest rule. Away goals are bullshit, especially when one of the ties isn't, isn't home or away. So, um, but that was enough to knock out the mighty Ronaldo and Juventus out of the Champions League. Their hunt for a, their first Champions League trophy continues. Interesting stat. I always like to talk about guys who can walk in the locker room, look at their teammates and say, I did my job. <laughs> like that Columbus Blue Jackets goalie who had like 80-something saves but lost. I'm If I'm that guy, I am walking into the locker room, looking at my teammates you, you and saying, Corpus Yeah, Corpus Allo. I did my job. Um... Ronaldo has scored every single goal for Juventus in the knockout rounds of the Champions League since he uh, has arrived. They have not... So, so he's like the ultimate, that, you know, I did my job guy. You know that scene in The Departed when they've, they've bugged the uh, the warehouse where like the... the some like illegal sale of, of microchips is going down and they're like, oh shit, they're meeting in the back and we didn't put any cameras up in the back. And Mark Wahlberg's like, I'm the guy that did my fucking job. You must be the other guy. That's that's the, the Ronaldo. Yeah, and I think this kind of goes back to, I think Juventus right now, as they showed with firing Sorry after he won the, uh, oh yeah, Sorry gets fired after this loss, by the way. Uh, after they won um, the Serie A title, they don't care about the Serie A title. All they care about right now, they're like Man City, really. They All they care about is Champions League or bust, Champions League or bust. In Juve's first season, I said, eh, first season, but they ha- they're they not really building a team around Ronaldo. Sorry, Ball. Again, not really building a team around Ronaldo. The first thing that Pirlo says publicly that gives me a little bit of, like, thinking he might be able to pull it off is we have Ronaldo, and now we need to find the spark to ignite him. Because his brain gets it. You, yes. you have Ronaldo, you build the fucking team, to maximum, that's what that's what Real did. They built a team to suit Ronaldo, and I think that's what Pirlo is going to try to do. But um, 
yeah, so Leon knockout Juventus, Leon get in the quarterfinals. And as we're now we jump into the quarterfinals, I have to just say this one thought. I think these four quarterfinals, like, might have been the single best quarterfinals the Champions League has ever had. And I know with the Crone and everything, it's all one-offs and stuff. And I think the fact that it was all one-offs just made it that much more exciting because anything yeah. could happen. I, th- I think it made it so much. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think it, it made it a lot more interesting. I mean, damn. It, it... Like, all of these games were insane for a different reason. <laughs> Should and we I... just get into reasons why Leipzig Atletico were insane? Yes, please. Re- regale us with your knowledge. So, this is a 2-1 Leipzig win over Atletico. Uh, Atletico got, got an early lead uh, through Danny Almo. And then um, Joao Felix, you know, the the big purchase that... Leipzig. Uh, Danny Almo gave Leipzig an early lead. I sorry. miswrote that. That's on me. My bad. No, I, yeah, yeah. I, I But gave, yeah, Atletico. <laughs> Uh, Leipzig took the lead. Uh, Joao Felix started the game on the bench. Uh, this is Atletico's wonderkind, uh, you know, young player. They paid like almost a hundred million for most the expensive. Their most expensive transfer ever. Most expensive transfer ever. Basically, the money they got for Griezmann, they put to this kid. Uh, he's incredible talent, and they did not let him play in the first half. He has been a bit of a disappointment in this first season. For all the hype on him and all the all the price tags on him, I th- the talent is there. He's just not quite the finished product. And like I said, it could, in two, three yeah. years, we could be saying, holy crap, Jao Felix is fucking incredible, and Atletico's going to sell him for double what they paid for him because he's so good. That could definitely happen. Just this particular, his first in Atletico, yeah. it wasn't there just yet. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I so I get that, but I think in your biggest games you need to play your, your biggest players, and I think he's one of them. Uh, he does he does uh, slot home a penalty, uh, equalize in the seventy first, and then somebody else who did not play the full ninety or get to start uh, ended up making a pretty big impact on this game. Donnie, Tyler Adams, subs on, American. Midfielder can also play fullback. Just throwing that out there too. Um, subs in, and what does he do? This young American, he hits the game winner in a Champions League quarterfinal in the 88th minute to send Leipzig to the semifinal. This was a club that was founded like 10 years ago. 11-year-old club. 11-year-old club. Excuse me. 11 years ago, he sends him to the so semifinal. Haters? How the fuck haters are will you? tell you. Haters will tell you that it took a massive deflection, and that's the only reason it either went on target or beat uh, Oblak. And to the haters, who the fuck cares? I thought it was a great run. Uh, it was an incredible ball to find him. Uh, he was kind of trailing the play late. Kind of re- reminded me a little bit of a, of a, of a, a D joining the rush and you know late in a, in a hockey rush uh where you have the forwards run uh run deep and then trailing behind it the whole play you get the guy running him back it was a a great cross low cross to find him at the top of the recognize the situation know know what they were dealing with and just put it 
towards the frame with power and, and using the defend to his advantage. You know, I'm not saying he aimed for the defender or anything like that, but just putting a ball towards the net with pace and figure, letting what happens happens, I thought was a perfect play. Also, pretty or ugly, all goals count the same. You don't. There's no. There's no three pointers in soccer. You could rip a bicycle kick from the fifty yard line, or you could have a tap in that accidentally hits your own ass, and you had nothing to do about it. And it's a, a goal's a goal, baby. That's all that matters. Um, I think it's just awesome. And the only only one game could be more dramatic than this game. Like you would think, okay, eighty eighth minute winner. That's got to be the most dramatic game in the quarterfinals. But you would be uh. wrong. Because I think this was one of the most anticipated games of the quarterfinals. PSG, Atalanta, Eric, give us what happened. Recap yeah. the good people. So, I mean, this was one that, that people have been kind of identifying as PSG hadn't played a competitive match in, in a while. You know, with this, the Uber Eats League getting canceled instead of resuming. And Atalanta were one of the probably top five hottest teams since the restart, uh, playing really, really great attacking offensive soccer. Uh, Atalanta actually, uh, through Mario Pasalic, uh, took the opener within the first 30 minutes of the game and uh, did something that I didn't think they were capable of doing from watching them for most of the season. They decided to protect the lead. They, 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 it, it, you know, remember when um, the Patriots came back from like what 28 to 3 against the Falcons in the Super Bowl because the Falcons were gashing them on the ground the entire first half and then they stopped running the ball in the second half? Uh, Atalanta subbed off Papu Gomez, their best player. They subbed off Duvon Zapata, their best goal scorer, who's torn Syria asunder for the last two years. And they they replaced them with some more defensive minded players and tactics. And well, when you do that, it doesn't matter if you if you defend the lead for 88, 89 minutes. In the ninetieth minute, you give up a fucking equalizer to Eric Maxim Chupo Moting. No, no, no. I think Marquinhos had the equalizer. Oh, Moting had the winner. Yes. My bad. So you're right, Marquinhos. Wow, Marquinhos has had a good run of games. He really has. That's a good observation. Yeah, Marquinhos uh, uh, equalizes in the 90th, and then three minutes later, Moting uh, with the game winner with the assist by Mbappe. You know, I am never a fan of protecting leads in almost any sport. I think the best way to protect your leads is just to keep going and crush the throat. In mo- for me, it's- especially early on, like you can't protect the lead for seven for sixty well, minutes. If if you're like you know one of those Italian national teams from like decades past, where literally your whole your whole strategy is always to defend, to defend, defend. That's what you do. I get that, right? Defend and counter, defend and counter. That makes sense. But when your team has been built and predicated, and its success has been reliant upon constant attack and really exciting offensive play. That's what makes no sense, and that's what Atalanta is. They are pure attack. Yes, and what do I always say? Play what you see, play simple, play your game. Atalanta didn't play their own game, and I think that's what 
they probably are really all regretting right now. And here's the thing about PSG. They will eventually score. It may be in the 90th and 93rd minute. It might be fucking Marquinhos and a guy who they didn't pay anything for, which is a surprise. But eventually, PSG will score. Because the firepower that's on their bench, Acardi, Cavani, is absurd. Let alone the firepower. They get. Their three-headed dragon of Mbappe, Neymar, though I hate the man, I cannot. it's hard to deny his just overall talent, though he cannot find the goal. Couldn't find the goal in this game to save his fucking life. He's he's missed some sitters. Yeah. But he has been providing. He does out of things. Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria, that, those guys will make shit happen. And in, in, in Adelina's defense, I don't think Di, Mar- Di Maria was, was dressed for the game. And Mbappe <laughs> didn't play until the second half. But regardless, you had half, you had, you know, a second half Mbappe, you had uh, Neymar. And you had the rest of the PSG squad, which you know, Neymar's salary is is more than the entire Atalanta squad salary by what, a couple mil? Yes, by I've, seven million. I have seen some figures suggest that it is seven million, which is that is a significant amount of millions. And this was also, I mean, this is Atalanta's first year in Champions League. They, I think they were like Ajax last year. This was the feel-good team that every neutral who didn't have a, a dog in the fight could support. And it sucks that they went out this way. But damn, that is a dramatic game. And, and, and like an enjoyable game, I think, just for it, the drama of it. It delivered on the hype. You know, I think people were expecting or thinking we could see more goals than, than the three that we ended up getting. And I kind of blame, uh, blame Atalanta for <laughs> not pushing pushing it to them when they got up with nothing but it was still really fun to watch heartbreaking for, for someone like me who is pro pro italian soccer and uh anti neymar but you know it was it was fun no no regrets uh shuffling some work meetings to be able to focus on the game a bit more yeah no kidding um and an absolute shock this game was this was the upset I did not see this one coming. I mean, I what did Leon finish in um, seventh? Seventh place. Be, oh my god, we're obviously talking about Leon beating Manchester City three to one. And in the beginning, it started with Leon. Um, Maxwell Cornet got a goal early on, about the twenty fourth, and then obviously the uh, Premier League Player of the Year, Kevin De Bruyne, equalized in the sixty ninth minute, and then. Musa Dembele comes on as a super sub, scores two goals in the 79th and 87th, and City do not make it past the quarterfinals again. And and a couple things, you know, I think people really, like the one image that, that I saw going around a lot after the game was the Raz uh, Howler, the, the miss, the screamer. I mean, he opened net ball right at his feet and he skies it over you know how, how can you not just keep it on the ground and put it in that would have made the game 2-2 and you know probably sets up a completely different in the game that being said you cannot put this loss on Raz you gotta look at the fact that this is a Man City squad that has seen how much investment in their defense Donnie uh, since Pep got there the defense 100 100- Hundreds of millions. The entire squad since, pe- like, since summer 16, 
almost $1 billion. I mean, literally almost $1 billion. And I think the defense has gotten made three to $500 million of them. So I think they've gotten almost or at least half of, of that investment. And that defense and that, that goalie situation gave up three goals to Leon. Yeah. It was bad. And when you put it into perspective, the numbers, like, Pep's style of play, his possession style of play, isn't working for the big games and isn't working for the Champions League. Okay, his team had 72% possession. That's great. All of that meant that they had one more shot on target. <laughs> That's crazy. Then Leon. Like, with 28% possession, Leon had six shots on target. Now, today, they could only get three fucking shots on target, but that's a discussion for later. Not only that, but look at Pep's legacy, man. The guy hasn't won the Champions League in a decade. And he's never won it without Messi? And he's never won it without Messi. And this is a guy that people are, like, a lot of people say is he's the best manager. He's the best manager. He's the best manager. Okay, well... He can only do one thing, and when that one thing doesn't work, he doesn't have a plan B. And and it, it so I, I also got to wonder the one thing not working anymore is it because he's unable to identify the right people to 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 make it work, or is it that that system that concept is no longer viable? Uh, and so is he? I mean, I'm not saying is he like sorry because he's way more successful than Maurizio Sarri has been, but. You know, Sari has his Sari ball, his one way of playing the game, and everything he does is to get his team to play that way. And, you know, we saw it in its best at Napoli. He still couldn't get trophies. Uh, is it is Pep in a place where he's unable to adjust his philosophy, his his, his format, to, to grow with how the game has grown over the last decade? I think that's true because if you think about it, okay, 2010, Spain played the tiki-taka possession style that Pep Guardiola loves, Spain win the World Cup. 2011, Barcelona, with a lot of Spain players, use that same style. Barcelona win the Champions League. 2012, Spain continue that, win the European Cup. Well, after 10 years of, like, then what does everybody try to do? Everybody tries to play this possession tiki-taka game. And you learn, and you adapt, and teams learn how to compact the box. Look at that Arsenal-Man City FA Cup semifinal. What did Arsenal do? Put... All nine guys in the the box because City players won't shoot from outside of the box. And you you burn them on the counter. If you have the speed up front and your guys are clinical, it works. Speed speed and clinicality, you can wreck. This system. And so, I don't know. I would love, with the talent that City have, I would love them to play like Atalanta does. Okay, your defense isn't your strong suit, but look at the players you have. Or five, or five goals a game, right? They, they, they really can, though. They really can. So just just power, just fucking drive, attack, 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 attack. You Possession have arguably intent. the best attacking midfielder in the game. Just let him feed your many, many good attacking options. And just, just possess the ball with intent to attack. Don't possess to keep the ball. That, who cares if you have the ball? It, it, who cares to have the ball if you're not going to do anything with it? Possession doesn't matter. Well, because what's crazy with, 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 with their defenders, too, is them having the ball doesn't even prevent the other team from scoring. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they, that, that was definitely the biggest 
upset in terms of um, a team losing. Not the biggest shock, but the biggest for, for upset. Biggest, biggest unexpected result. I feel like, Donnie, you've been prepping to, to go into detail on this one. So I'm going to turn the reins over to you to detail to us the Bayern Munich-Barcelona quarterfinal tie. I honestly, watching this game... Early on, it felt like, okay, this was going to be interesting. Like, Bayern get the early goal. I think you and I both kind of thought Bayern were going to edge out Barca. Bayern get the early goal. We're like, okay, David Alaba scores an own goal. Kind of out of nowhere. Just like one of those fluke ones. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be – is this going to be a track meet? These are the the two – you know, two – this is the one matchup of the two European superpowers. Yeah. Probably the, you know, we were really anticipating the Atalanta PSG for the fireworks and for the, the underdog story, but everybody was kind of, I think, highlighting Barcelona, Bayern Munich as like, oh, this is the, these are the two superpowers going to war. And yeah, you and I have been saying how great Bayern looked this season, and I think that's where we were leaning. But, and, and, and yeah, first for two goals into the match, okay, this is, this is, Really sucks for Bayern to score two goals and to be tied one one, um, but here we are. And then after that point, Bayern Munich. It's like you know, like in you know, like when you're a little kid, you think like like you could, there's like a button you can press in your like street race car that'll put like the nitros in it that'll like make it go like super fast and like go at, like. What do you mean when you're a kid? Are you telling me it's not a thing? I'm just saying I'm, if that if I'm that trying to, I'm trying to, re- to retrofit my my Wrangler with uh with some NOS. I'm saying if there's a NOS button, Byron pushed it because after that one one point, it was all Byron and it was a demolition. Barcelona haven't been beaten this bad in seventy years in any competition. A final <laughs> score of Bayern Munich eight to Barcelona two, and that's in one leg. That's a one. Can I tell you? Tell me everything. To me, to me. The coup de grace of this. Well, we 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 alluded, we alluded to the Alab- uh, Alfonso Davies uh, just working the touchline and, and shutting out Messi. And shutting out Messi, but working the touchline to assist Kimmich, which is awesome. But the coup de grace for me on this this masterpiece of art, this is art, um, was Bayern Munich being up by three goals at this point in the second half. I think. And decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sub on uh, Coutinho, who is currently on the books at the Barcelona player, on loan to Bayern. We're going to sub him on. And Coutinho proceeds to assist uh, assist Lewandowski for a goal and then score two goals himself. Not only that, but when if you look at stills and you, look, and you watch it, you can tell that Hansi Flick is actively having to not just, like, he's holding back, like, the most shit-eating grin in human history when he does it. I'm sorry. I love Hansi Flick. The fullback thing, the bringing on Coutinho's, playing a bunch of fullbacks. I mean, he is crushing it. And this Bayern Munich team are terrifying. I mean, they just they just pounded the shit out of Messi and Barcelona. Another funny thing about the Philip. The Coutinho thing is if that Bayern win the Champions League final, which they very well might, Barcelona have to play Liverpool an extra 5 million euros. 
I don't care who you are. Unless you're a Barcelona fan, that's hilarious. Which which means the clause they the clause they had that they, they agreed to when they bought Coutinho was if Coutinho wins the uh, Champions League Champions League while he's you know like a member of Barcelona right right it's not how do you how do you not structure that to if we win the if Champions Barcelona League, wins the Champions League while Philip Coutinho is a player on the team. That how was a very poor drafting by a lawyer. How do you not structure it that way? That is that is mind-boggling. That is that is actually a five million euro mistake. <laughs> um, it's funny because Philip Coutinho is Barcelona's third most expensive signing, while expensive their first two most expensive signings, Griezmann and Dembele, obviously were on the bench. Griezmann because of his disruptive nature to the rest of the team. Dembele, I don't know why. But that was just an absolute masterclass by Bayern. Um, and what it means is, for the, you know, we talked about when uh, Luka Modric won the Ballon d'Or. Are we seeing the end of an era? And for the first time in 15 years, the Champions League semifinals did not feature Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, how did Barcelona react to this? They cleaned house quick. Uh, Kike Setien, fired. Eric Abidal, former uh, Barcelona player and their current well, former sporting director too now, he got <laughs> fired, and him and Messi had a bit of a war of words back in February. Abidal suggested the players weren't trying hard enough. Messi said, well, name who the players are. And he's like, maybe the sporting director isn't doing their job, by the way. Uh, Ronald Koeman uh, um, from the Netherlands has been brought in. He was the Dutch national coach. Interesting move because his last venture into club soccer was sort of a failure when he got sacked by Everton after like 10 games after is, having their is, most expensive is, transfer budget ever. This is failing upwards. I mean, uh, Kuman was he at Southampton or Bournemouth or something before Everton, I think? Southampton. Southampton. I think he had a, a good showing with them, got hired by Everton. In his first season, they got Europa League uh, they qualified for Europa, Europa League, and then they backed the transfer market with their largest ever transfer budget. And yeah, you said he got they got cut ten games into the season. They were in the relegation zone after those ten games. And then uh, he ended up as the Netherlands manager, where he has because of scheduling yet to to manage and compete in either a Euro or a World Cup. So since flaming out at Everton, he has been unproven. But again, a former Barcelona player. Everyone, yeah. trying, everyone trying to get on that trend. I Here's think he something maybe a season that we have to talk about. Would you agree with me that you're like about 27 to 31, 32 in terms of a combination of your skill, your athleticism, your experience? That is like most players. That's like a true prime age range. Somewhere in there. 27, 27 29. Yeah, I, I, yeah, 30. Yeah, yeah. For the players that may be a little more, um, you know, their their skill set is is based more on their mental, athleticism. Is more mental and tactical. They may they may be closer to that 30, 31. So yeah, I think twenty seven to thirty one is somewhere depending on the player where you're going to hit your your injuries permitting your peak. Lionel Messi has not won the Champions League between ages twenty seven and thirty three. He's a generational talent, one of the greatest players of all time. 
only he only there was only one other player he has ever compared to who's his contemporary in Cristiano Ronaldo. And his true prime is was absolutely wasted by Barcelona. Yeah. Because they It's crazy about that because of like, you know, all their La Liga titles and just like the goals and numbers, but it's it's incredibly true. And it's also his true prime and this one's not nearly their fault, but his prime was also wasted by Argentina. Yeah. Exactly. And so what my question is then to you is I am of the opinion that Leo Messi has given everything to Barcelona and he owes them nothing and they the fans and the club owe him everything. He owes that team nothing. He has won every possible trophy he could win for them. He has been their greatest player in their entire very illustrious history. I think he has the right now to say this isn't working. I've given you everything. I've given you my best. I've given you my prime. I would like to now end myself, my career somewhere else. And I think that's what he should do. I think he should leave because they need to change a lot because they have an old team. They, they need a t- total rebuild. And I don't even think they have the manager, like a, a total rebuild around Messi. Yes. They, they, so I think if he wants to leave, then yeah, he's, he deserves to go wherever he wants to go. You know, his skill set would allow that as well, technically. Uh, now he has a massive, like seven hundred million dollar uh, buyout clause. So he, if he wants to go, he may need to get them to release him. You know, release him from that clause, which I think he deserves that. Now, is that how it would play out? I have no idea. Right. Uh, but I also think he's someone that wants to stay. Right. I think in his ideal world they make all the right moves and they, they do this quick rebuild and, and splash the cash. But I don't think Kuman demands that job. So I don't think they're making the right steps. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm in Messi's shoes, which I can't even imagine, but I leave. The question is, where do you go? I think at this point, I've, you have two. Okay. So, I have two thoughts. I just wanted but, to give it a precursor before you give your thoughts, and then we. Can no, I, I, I want to know. I want to know your. Th- I, I'm, I'm letting you know. I've identified two already, but I want to know what you, what you think. I think what he needs to do, where he needs to go, has to be the best move for his legacy. Because now him and Ronaldo are at the stage where it's like, okay, you're you're both considered like undisputedly like you'd be an idiot to not have both of them in your top ten all time, in my opinion. Yep undeservedly there a lot of people have them each as the greatest of all time like they they have submitted their their status in the soccer like pantheon of they're making the starting the all-time starting 11 they're both there so it's like at this point how much can you do to nudge yourself a little forward and they always have to nudge themselves in front of the other right because they played at the same time that's just the way that's just the crazy way it turned out we got these two generational talents at the same time so where do you think then are Messi's best moves to make that boost up and to boost his legacy? So, a lot of people say he should go meet up with Pepit City. I think that's one of two viable moves, but that's not the best. I think meet up with Pepit City makes sense in terms of that's a manager who's proven himself as able to build around Messi's talents. Uh, Pep's style that he likes it really lends itself to the skill that then Messi has even further developed as more of a playmaker uh, so I think I mean it wouldn't be a bad move I think that would be probably a better move than Spain uh, but if we're thinking about legacy I think 
Edson needs to show himself as transcendent of manager, right? He, he and he has. Uh, but I think following Pep to England kind of gets you back to like a Brady Belichick moment, right? Of like, you know, are are they great because they're great, or is their peak greatness because they're reliant on somebody else in some way? Um, now the, the 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 counter is Premier League the best league in the world, so be the best of the best makes sense. I think he goes and puts himself directly uh, compared to Ronaldo again, and doesn't go doesn't go to Juventus, doesn't go to, but follows Ronaldo to Syria and the team that could financially afford it. Unfortunately, would be Inter Milan. And they're in Champions League. They're in the Champions competition. He joins her, and they make a run at the treble. I think that's a great answer. Um, I and agree I, with, with, and, I, and I never watch soccer again. That's fair. I agree with you in the sense that um, while City might be the move that he, if he does move, that he probably does make, I don't think, besides playing in the Premier League, I think it muddles his legacy because he's with Pep. I agree. What I think, I don't, this is a weird thing for me to say. And so let me just get the idea out there. He's always going to be compared to Ronaldo. And in a similar sense of following Ronaldo, and, I, and, and, and you know, people always say Messi couldn't do it in the Premier League. He couldn't, he's too small. He couldn't get kicked in at Burnley and all this stuff. So he, he could go to Stoke. He goes to the Premier League. Two teams in the Premier League that are not Manchester City. And I don't necessarily want this to happen. You, I don't, but... But you do. But you no, do. I don't. I don't want what I'm about to say. I would rather have one of them happen than the other. The first one, I don't want it to happen. Okay. You go to a club that Ronaldo has played for before. <laughs> where he's beloved. A club that has not won a Champions League title since Ronaldo left. Mm-hmm. And is not been a great team the last seven years yeah a club that could afford you uh-huh that could pay you yep and it could help you you know and, and, and you know does not hurt your brand does not hurt your brand you got a manchester united oh i thought we were talking about sheffield united <laughs> you go to manchester united you bring them back into a premier with ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who nah, I'm, I'm not sure about him still I get I get hate from other Man United fans for that. I you still really do. <laughs> I, I I still have no idea if he is the guy or not. But you go to that team where Ronaldo played, and you get success with that team in that league, and a lot of the big Ronaldo argument is all of a sudden taken off the table. Or or you go to Leeds United for a manager who you love, and you win a Premier League title. With Leeds United, maybe when you're 35, 36. And that, I think, that would, would be, be really an incredible cool. legacy cementer. That has a less than 1% chance of happening. Oh, yeah. No, it has it has a less than 0% chance of happening. <laughs> the limit does not exist. <laughs> but, but that would be incredible. That would actually be incredible. For a legacy move, it would be like if Ronaldo had gone to, um, what's like, like, What's like Lecce or some bullshit like that in Syria, <laughs> and then led them to like 
the Serie yeah. A title. Like, that would be nuts. So I yeah, think... but there, there is no way that he moves somewhere that doesn't have Champions League. Right. But I think going to the Premier League for a non-Liverpool, a non-Man City team, and finding success there helps give you helps take a if it doesn't give you a leg up, it erases something that a lot of people give Ronaldo over you. And and at this point in his career, it's all about them. Like, if yeah. one of them wins the World Cup, that one's going to go down as the GOAT between them. That's the thing. Like, at this point in the yeah. game, it's all all that matters to each of them at some level is the legacy. It's, it's, it's them against each other. That's it. Yeah, it's not even the legacy that matters. It's it's where their legacy stacks up against the other's legacy, right? Because their legacies are already cemented at yes. top 10 all the time. Like, that, that legacy can't be tough. It's where does their legacy finish compared to the others? And that's why I think Inter makes the most sense. Because yeah. you get to compare yourself to active or to, to current Ronaldo. And not play against yourself, him at least twice not, a season. Not be compared to Ronaldo when he was 10 years younger, 15 years younger. Um, and it lets you also take a club that, you know, has had historic success but has been in a bit of a downturn recently they're they're already up and coming so you can see the progress has been made not taking uh deep faith that they're going to properly build around you right yeah all right um so i think with that we just talk about that we have the semifinals and preview the final and that's that and so the so interestingly enough PSG Leipzig was one semifinal, Bayern Munich Lyon the other. According to the logic of a La Liga fan, that would mean that uh, Syria, um, I'm sorry, the Uber Eats League and Bundesliga are the best leagues in the world. And whoever wins the Champions League final, whatever country they're from, that is the best league in the world. Yep. There is a chance that the Uber Eats League becomes, goes from a farmer's league to the best league in the world. Just following that logic to its conclusion. Well, thank God we've never subscribed to the La Liga fan heads and their bullshit theories because they had three good teams out of 20. Yeah. Um, so with that said, first semifinal was uh, yesterday, PSG against Leipzig. Um, you know, it's Leipzig just, they were, I think they were also akin to Atl- Atalanta, you know, a feel-good story. Um, they had a great run. That should not be taken away from them, but, man, they shot themselves in the foot in this game. Leipzig looked like a team that had been around for 11 years. Yeah. I mean, they just looked terrible, bad mistakes, and you, you can't make mistakes against that. That Again, I talked about it, and I'm going to talk about it more when we talk about the final preview. That three-headed monster of Mbappe, Di Maria, Neymar, they are all, they're going to do damage on their own, let alone if you make it easy for them. And you give up three headers on set pieces, and Marquinhos gets another fucking goal. Yeah, great, great ball in. Was that was that Di Maria's ball uh, to to Marquinhos? Um, I mean, it was a free header, so it wasn't that hard. But he he got a free header and he put it in the back. Right, you see so many times players surprised at how open they are, and they end up off the post or out of bounds. So Marquinhos had continued assault going in the Champions League. Uh, and then Di Maria had a fucking game. The guy is a gamer, just not when you play for Manchester United because apparently nobody can play well for Manchester United. But yeah. outside of that, Di Maria is a gamer, and he's going to be one of the big reasons, and I'll, I'll talk about it more in the final, but he played really well. Leipzig as a whole didn't have it right. I think Tyler Adams not being on the field was a big mistake because you have his 
just for the if no other reason, if no other reason, his athleticism to handle the incredible athletes that PSG have. And and the way Leipzig would find random opportunities was defense to counter, defense to counter, right? And I think Tyler's defensive you know, solidarity and his strength defensively, and then his his knack of when he gets the ball, immediately looking you know looking up and moving forward and, and pushing, is something that they really missed. I thought Kevin Campbell was pretty bad uh, in in that role for Leipzig. I mean, they had a lot of issues. I think their their goalie committed a turnover that led to the second goal. It was just it just wasn't pretty all around. Um, but you know what? That doesn't take away from, from the the story that Leipzig had. I think this was a very successful season. You know, they they challenged for a Bundesliga title, didn't quite get there. They challenged you know a deep deep uh, Champions League run, and they're they're in a, in a place where they can keep building. I did think not having Timo Werner and his pace really, really hurt them. You know, they, they, they hurt themselves, but I think the way that they would have handled a lot of the situations had to be adjusted by not having his pace on the attacking thing to dump the balls into. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that. Um, the other semifinal, Bayern Munich and Lyon, uh, this time went the way of the German club, but Man, the way the game started, Lyon had ch- honestly could have been up two or three goals in the beginning and just not clinical. There was an early chance for Memphis Depay where, I mean, he had just about rounded Neuer and had the whole goal. I mean, yeah, he's about 17 yards out, but completely puts it off target. And before you know it, Serge Gnabry just explodes for an individual goal, just slices and dices, scores. Lyon were just not clinical, couldn't get shots on target. That early that they should have, and I mean, almost you can almost say a little bit of that was self-inflicted. You know, a little bit of poor defense, laying off the attackers, letting them attack, and you got to put away some of those great early chances you have. Yeah, something I I, I did want I do want to mention in, in watching. I, I was late to the game because I was watching the Lightning uh, advance to the second round over the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, but. It was fun to see every time Leon got the ball, everybody moved forward with a, with intent to attack. Not not not. Oh, we got the ball. We need to keep the ball. It was we got the ball. Who's making the runs? What ball can I put in? And then whatever happens, happens. And that was exciting and fun to watch. Yeah, that's something I usually say of a team the Uber Eats League. That finish, yeah. Um, but you know. I saw some things in this game. Before this game, I would say Bayern Munich are totally unbeatable this year. And I did say that to you. I agreed with you when you said that. Now I have actually some doubts based on some of the things I saw. And I guess I'll talk about that in a second. Talk about it now. I'll talk about it now. Okay, let's talk about the final. PSG, (laughs) who have never... Won the Champions League. This is the end. They are like Juventus and Man City. This is the end all be all versus Bayern Munich. What could, if I'm a Bayern fan, what concerns me is they play with a high line. And when you had direct balls played by pacey players of Lyon, it was exposed. Now you're going to have better players making those passes, and you're going to have the three headed dragon of uh, Mbappe, Neymar, and Di Maria running at you. And 
those guys are going to – okay, Neymar can't score for shit, actually. Um, it's actually been comical, the quarterfinal and semifinal, how unclinical Neymar is scoring the goals. But Mbappe and Di Maria can't score. So here's my question, though. The, the way PSG attack, it's generally not the deep balls – to, to, to guys, it's not those aerial balls over the high line. It's they play out to their guys in space, and then they and then they dribble beat pass play. It's like you know, I, I I see where you're coming from, but also the way they attack with with intent is completely different from Leon attacks. I agree. And you have you have the the athleticism of Davies of Kimmich. Uh, their their center backs are. Most of them are fullbacks, so they're athletic too. I, I think it could all be. If Hansi, okay, if Hansi Flick plays the back line of four fullbacks, Bayern Munich will win the game. But I, I, I think you're right in, in, in what you're getting at in terms of uh, PSG have the pace and the clinicality, uh, clinicality of Mbappe and Di Maria, and. Uh, and the, the I mean the playmaking and the creative ability of Neymar. Um, I think Neymar hits the post and, and sends some easy ones out of bounds um, to to score goals. But I think Bayern are able to limit the goals, and Bayern are also going to be scoring goals. You know, yeah. Lewandowski has scored fifty five goals in all competitions this season, or something like that. Uh, Perisic has been setting, has been creating, setting up a lot. Uh, Thomas Mueller looks like he's playing in like a 2014 World Cup. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of things you just said, and here's what I'll say. I'll say this: I'm absolutely gonna bet that over. Whatever the over is in this game, <laughs> I'm betting it. They're gonna be goals, and my brain tells me that Bayern Munich are gonna win. But if I have to make a prediction... You have to make a prediction. I don't know why, but I just think that PSG is just going to do it. I don't know if Mbappe... I, I mean, if PSG does it, I hope it's through Mbappe having like an, a ball over game. But Or like a Thiago Silva game-winning header would be really cool. I just have a gut feeling about PSG. Especially because... So I don't think this Bayern Munich game team has had to face adversity. And I never <laughs> like a team that hasn't had to struggle. Really struggle. This PSG team has had to struggle very recently against Atalanta. But I don't know. When they came back with that kind of that little bit of grit, that's grit is not a quality I associate with PSG. No. So they showed me but... something they didn't really didn't think they have in I don't know. I'll probably bet Bayern Munich. To, I'll bet Bayern Munich to win the game, but I'm going to predict that PSG is going to win the game. So what if what if we wager our predictions? Okay. I, I don't know what what the wager is, but <laughs> I'm predicting Bayern. You're predicting PSG. Yep. It seems. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Loser has to do the Uber Eats update for next season. Oh, okay, done. I'll take that. Yeah. That's that's the usual wager on this podcast. That's that feels fair. It <laughs> feels fair. Um, I I hope it's a good game. Now, here's a quick anecdote before we wrap up. Um, so, well before any of um this 
the Champions League final was scheduled this Sunday, you know, August 23rd, uh, I'm supposed to go to Chicago this, this upcoming weekend. And I decided to see what time the final was, which is at 2 o'clock. I decided to see what time my flight is, which is at 2.30. Then I decided to see how expensive it would be to move my flight around, which would be like $300. <laughs> Now, this shouldn't be a problem, and here's why. Because I'm flying Southwest, and Southwest offers 16 free TV channels on their flights as part of the inboard entertainment. And one of those free channels is CBS. So this really shouldn't but, be an issue because this— But not CBS Sports Network. The Champions League final should be on fucking CBS. But where is it? CBS Sports Network. Can you buy Wi-Fi and use the, the CBS Sports app? I can buy Wi-Fi— but the Wi-Fi explicitly states that it's good for browsing the internet and messaging. I tried to stream on their Wi-Fi before, like Netflix. That shit don't work. So I am going to be in a tin fart box 35,000 feet up in a bad mood. And okay, when I asked the future Mrs. Donnie if she... If we could change our flights, she said it would cost $300. And I knew at this moment I had a choice to make. I could do what I really wanted to do and change our flights for $300, but then never own anything I want ever again, because this would be thrown in my face for my entire life. <laughs> or I could just accept that CBS, Southwest Airlines... And, um, and, UEFA. and UEFA have really conspired against me, as well as the coronavirus, and just have to deal with that. And I'm just going to have to deal with it. Um, I'm going to try to watch the game when we land. Like, I'm going to turn – I'm never going to take my phone off airplane mode when we land and try to watch the game. I will let you know if I can actually do that or if somehow I'll see something like – some crazy German running around the airport yelling about the game or whatever. <laughs> naked, because naked because they're protesting the commercialization of the sport. Right, right. Um, but that is my personal anecdote about how I'm really getting <laughs> fucked by CBS and by Southwest Airlines. And usually I think Southwest Airlines is great. But before we finish, there's one last little thing. And I know we've been going late. But we do have a mailbag for douchebags. What? Subject line, help me. Dear Donnie and Sweetie, I need your great help. Are either of y'all doctors? Because after that Byron game, my erection has lasted way over four hours. <laughs> Sincerely, P. Hino. Oh, I forgot he's a Byron fan. Oh, God. <laughs> By the way, P. Hino, who I haven't heard anything from about Bayern Munich all season until last week when they won 8 2. I have heard nothing from him. He has been, oh, a, God, he's been for... a fucking mute with regards to Bayern Munich. Uh, well, he, 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 he picked the right time to come Maybe out that's why I, want, I don't want Bayern to win. Um, hey, so next next episode, oh, we will uh, probably touch on the, the Champions League final. Uh, but more importantly, it is our uh, second annual... Oni's Awards. 
you guys know if you listen that I hate all the stupid awards that are in soccer. There's just too many of them. Uh, this is the one awards show that matters. Uh, we'll be bringing back some categories from last year, and then we've uh, got a few new ones that we'll be throwing your way, and um, some some competitive categories this year. I felt like last year there were a lot more obvious choices, which I, I'm actually excited to discuss the nominees on on the pod next week and uh, and who the winners are. Yeah. Um, and Preston, with regards to your erection issue, I've heard if you just stick a giant needle right into your cock, you'll be good to go. It'll just kind of <laughs> let all the blood out. Uh, but again, please follow us on Instagram at ongoalpod. Email us, ongoalpod at gmail.com. You can listen to us on Apple Music or Spotify. Um, yeah. Thanks for a great show. We ran a little long today, but we're going to be right back. You know, we took an extra week off, but that means you're going to get an extra episode next week when we do the Onis. But until then, bye. Bye. I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone. Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know. She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be. But none of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shallow wounds always bend, oh no I won't camp here tonight And I'll win your love, love, love If you're ready for war I'll run the sun, sun, sun Just surrender your core I'll give you bombs of my love But I don't wanna explode So follow me, follow me And I'll show you home my spirit oh yeah right down to the bone until the day i realized my courage is all i ever own because our love is a battlefield and i'm a soldier made of steel and i'll fight until the end shallow wounds always bend oh no